it's your boy Rayshawn from the Rayshawn Gatson Anime Podcast, or R Gap for short. And on today's episode, we're talking about the greatest tournament of all time, the first tournament saga from the original Dragon Ball series. We'll be explaining the tournament and telling you guys our favorite moments and also our least favorite moments. And if you heard the magic word, you know, I can't talk about Dragon Ball without my pal Kyle from the Super Dope Podcast. And if that has you interested, then sit back and enjoy the ride. Before we get started, I want to allow my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves and tell us what anime are they watching right now? And um, this their least favorite Dragon Ball character. Okay. Very good questions. If I forget what they, the order in which they came, my bad. Hello, my name is Kyle. I'm from a podcast called Dragon Ball Super Dope. I also host another podcast with the host of this podcast, Ray Sean. It's called The Advice Pod. Uh, we put that on every Friday, but... I'm here to talk about Dragon Ball today. All right. I'm not going to force my advice on anybody's throat. What anime am I currently watching? Uh, I'm not really. I'm kind of between anime. And I said it to you before we hit record. We just finished up Death Note Super Dope for our Patreon exclusive episode stuff. Like for members, you know, give us that five bucks a month. Uh, we're about to start doing a watch along podcast for Attack on Titan, which I've never watched. But Feds, who is going to be part of the show again, and so is Amber. Um, Amber hasn't watched it either. Feds just got through to the first season and he loves it. So I'm about to be watching Attack on Titan starting next weekend. Uh, and then lastly, my least favorite Dragon Ball character might have to be, oh, that's a tough question, dude. There's a lot that I can't stand, but like my, my gut pick right out of the gate is Manaka. I can't stand Manaka mainly because everybody has to make the nipple jokes about him. And it's just like, it's annoying, you know, Manaka for now. Today it's Manaka. That is an interesting pick because I've always think that he was such a side character. I wouldn't even really pay him much attention. But yeah, I could see not liking Manaka. Thinking about the question myself, it's kind of hard trying to just, uh, who do I not like? So many it, characters worthy of being hated on, you know? Some people could say yeah. Chaozu or Puar or Oolong very easily. I like them because I like OG Dragon Ball a lot. So it was fun to watch these episodes the last couple of days for this uh, podcast today. But I don't know. There's so many, there's so many fucking characters, man. It'll probably be Master Shin. I just hated his whole demeanor. Wait, do you mean the Crane Hermit? No, the Crane Hermit. Yeah. 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 Um, Isn't his name not Shin? Okay. I think it is. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I swear. I think it's Shen, S H E N. Either way, it doesn't matter. I don't fucking know anything about shit. Um, why don't you like him, dude? I loved him. <laughs> It's, it's just his whole demeanor, like, oh, I'm supposed to be the best, but he hasn't proven that none of his people have won any of the tournaments. We haven't even heard him win in a tournament. At least we know Master Roshi won one previously. So it's like, I don't even know. I like guys, how, how, how are y'all rivals and Master Roshi is like surpassed that? I like the idea that there's like a dark mirror Roshi out there then that's basically the shape of the crane hermit and he has like his own students and stuff, Tian and Chaozu, but... Also, Tao Pai Pai, like, there's some real Bugs Bunny shit with some Tao Pai Pai fights, granted, but Tao Pai Pai is a bad dude. I love him. Yeah, I, I like him, too. I like, I even like Mercenary Tao and everything. That's the same guy. But yeah, no, I understand. Oh, <laughs> more. I know, my Japanese is getting the best of us. I understand. Oh, I'm, I'm so used to calling uh, Mercenary Tao, 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 Pow, Pow. I thought you were talking about um somebody else. There's no even point in me talking about who I thought it was. 
Okay, going back to the tournament saga. The 21st Tenkaichi Budokai, the strongest under the heavens tournament. Happens once every, I think, three years in this show. And uh, I got a t-shirt today. No, we're not doing a video, but it's basically the cast of the 22nd Budokai. And I was like, that's almost perfect. So when we do the 22nd Budokai, Rayshon, remind me, I got to wear this shirt again. Uh, I'm excited. This is my favorite Dragon Ball stuff. First time I ever ingested this stuff as like a 10 or 11 year old kid getting like uh, maybe monthly, maybe they were bi-weekly comic books uh, localized by Viz back in the day. And just reading the shit week to week. I remember like being in the thick of the Namu versus Goku fight and the Heavenly Cross from above and all that shit. And then the Jackie Chun fight. Like, I was like, I'm never going to see this. I was still watching Dragon Ball Z, like Frieza Saga stuff on Tsunami or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was like, they're never going to bring this to the United States. I have to read it in the comic book. And honestly, I love reading the manga. It's very fun to watch the episodes as well. 21st Tenkaichi Budokai is some top tier tournament shit, dude. It's the OG. It's the fucking, it's the archetype for all the fucking tournament arcs that have come in anime ever since in a lot of ways. I appreciate how much you love this arc. And I love this arc, one of my favorite arcs and Dragon Ball. I think it's one of the best tournament arcs where it's more friendly. It's not a much of a, like something in the background that we got to wait for. This is just a whole, just a friendly competition. I like the whole atmosphere behind it. Like the moves being used, the lessons that's being learned are trying to be shown throughout this whole less, this whole arc. So pretty much my favorite tournament of all of them. Yeah, I think the greater theme of this tournament, right? The idea that Roshi has to do this dumbass disguise and goes in as Jackie Chun just to be able to prove to Goku is always, a, even though like he barely proves it, but he, always to prove to him, like there's always a bigger fish out there. You can't get lazy. You can't slack from your training. There's always a bigger fish out there. In a lot of ways, if you think about it, like that is what drives Dragon Ball going forward from here on out. Goku's just getting stronger for the sake of getting stronger because there's always stronger people out there and he wants to fight them so we can get stronger too. Like a lot of the principles of Dragon Ball are set up because of the lesson that Roshi tries to instill in them in this arc. And it's so fucking beautiful. I love Dragon Ball. I hate Dragon Ball Super right now. That shit sucks ass. But OG Dragon Ball, dude, oh, I love it. And I love how they hammer that in from like the beginning all the way to the end. Like even when Master Roshi is training them in the beginning of this arc and he's basically like, you guys did not come here to a win. You guys came here to learn. So it was like, he's always in his mind. It's like, you you shouldn't be worried about winning right now. I'm trying to get you guys to be martial art, be, become better men type shit. I wonder uh, when I was watching it the other day, because I watched the pre- preliminary stuff a couple weeks ago. And then I watched like the last five or six episodes yesterday when we talked, right? Mm-hmm. I was wondering to myself, like, is Roshi like surprised how well that the kids do against the other people? Or did he go there expecting to have stiffer competition for the kids to fight? Or was he really just completely unaware of how strong they had grown through his training? Like, which, which, which I don't understand which it could be, but it's got to be one of those three, right? I, you know what I think it is? I think it's like a middle of like kind of all of them. I think it's the one where it's kind of like after they moved the boulder, I think that's when he started to realize like, okay, these people might be a lot more stronger than what I think it because I think he had a, that's probably when he started coming up with the plan and everything. Cause you don't get a scene where he's like, oh, when we go get a wig or anything, it's like he already had that stuff set up. He had already did his preliminary shit. Like he already knew like, okay, nah. Dude, he's so committed to the joke of Jackie Chun, right? There, I was watching the episode yesterday and I totally forgot about it. I almost pissed my pants. They're like, wait a minute. You know the Kamehameha? The only person who knows the Kamehameha is Mutin Roshi. He's like, what do you know him or something? You, you kind of look like him. He's like, all right, you found me out. 
on his cousin. And then out of his giant ass sleeve, he pulls out a little scroll of the family tree. Dude, I fucking lost it. I forgot all about that. <laughs> he was so fucking ready, man. It was awesome. Committed to the bit. And it's just like, he have his little slip up. It's like, oh, you can't hit your master. And he was like, oh, <laughs> it's just like, you just, it's just, yeah, slip ups like that, but also has that scroll up his sleeve. It makes it way more funny every time he slips up. <laughs> This is makes it one of the funny, funniest, most entertaining um, championships we get to see in all of Dragon Ball. Even though I kind of like the second tournament, but the first tournament is my favorite. Third tournament is has the most impact, basically, in all of Dragon Ball. But the first tournament is where it's at because this is where we really get to get to know our characters, especially Goku and Krillin. Even though I feel like Krillin is the funniest in this whole arc, he just has so many little one liners, little quips. What is just like caveman like just honestly <laughs> so i think we're doing top five likes whatever we disliked and then our favorite fight or least favorite fight however we're breaking it down but one of my top five things for krillin comes early on in the preliminary episodes where he sees those two assholes from the budo temple that he used to get bullied by and then he absolutely fucks one of them up in the preliminary match i'm like fuck yeah krillin you were kind of being a dick sometimes before like but all of a sudden like i'm totally on your side and i'm so happy that you just had that moment and it gives him that confidence to go on to do what he does in the tournament that's one of my top fives right there for sure and i love how you get that different demeanor in krillin because like before that he's like kind of like this confident low-key chad type character then he sees them when he goes back to like this bully type of demeanor when he's like, oh, scared, cowardly type of situation, which it, to me is kind of good rain right there. Like, you know what I mean? So I just want to give that. I am. Yeah, well, once you're back in the presence of your abusers, no matter how cool or, or how much of a dickhead you are, once those people who used to bully you are back in your fucking your sphere, you're like they're in your, your space, you're like you go right back to it in your head. Sometimes it sucks. <laughs> So let's break down how the tournament is basically set up. So you have your preliminaries. This is basically where you have everybody fighting. I think they had like over a thousand. It was probably more than that. But they have people from all over the world come to this competition. So you have humans, demi-human looking people. Like it's just all types of people. You got wolves, vampires. Talking dragons and shit. Gear. The most, di one of the most diverse communities in all of anime dragon ball has to be like like because you never know who you're going to end up fighting but i like the, the preliminaries they're more like time matches you're trying to really beat your opponent trying to move on to the quarterfinals and the quarterfinals you have your matches with like krillin bacterian ram fan and um nam and then um i think yamcha master roshi so like some of these are so, I said Matt, I'm Jackie Chan. I should no, it's the same thing. But like I would, uh, I I forgot that they got matched up in the first like quarterfinal stuff because it's the first instance of Yamcha getting Yamcha. Like everyone thinks Yamcha getting Yamcha is him fucking in the sob, you know, getting blown up by the Cybermen or whatever, and he's in the crater. No, man, Yamcha getting Yamcha is him having to face Master Roshi in the quarterfinals of the tournament, just so that way everyone can see that this person is very serious and Yamcha is not, he's just a sacrificial lamb in the narrative. For, I feel kind of bad for him. He's been getting yamcha long before Dragon Ball Z ever started. Yeah, he's been getting Yamcha every tournament. Like, it was just yeah. Dude, the 22nd tournament, they fucking put him in the hospital with like break his leg or whatever. Shit's fucking awful. 
I can't it's remember who. There's, can't do, does he lose to Piccolo in the um, first one? Because somehow he always kind of goes against the like the main person. In the 22nd tournament, him and Tien go against each other and Tien like falls down on him with a fucking super knee. Like when he's flat on his back and he like knees his, I guess his knee or like his thigh or something and clean breaks his leg and Yamcha is just in a hospital bed for the rest of the arc. I was talking about yeah. the 23rd. The 23rd, I don't remember what the fuck he does, honestly. He's See, not really like, remember. I'm going to sit this one out. See, that's what I'm thinking. Did he sit that one out or did he go against That's the one. That's the one where Goku shows up and nobody recognizes him. Is Yamcha getting ready to fight in that one? I don't know if he is. I think because that's one where he has the scars and everything and everybody like, oh, this man then went out there and fought a Wolverine or something. <laughs> he has a real tilt rated out here. It was crazy. But uh, after that, you have like your semifinals where you have Krillin versus Jackie Chan. Then you have the final match, which is one of the best matches in like all of Dragon Ball, just from the entertaining standpoint and also seeing some different moves and everything. And even seeing one of the clutchest saves ever <laughs> from not being eliminated from Master Rochi. Like, I have to give yeah. this props because that took great balance, control, and everything just to be able to just stick his foot into the uh, ring and just hold himself up. What's interesting about this, like I read some of these issues. I reorganized my comic books within the last few months and I picked up some old Dragon Ball comics super recently and read through pieces of this fight long before we ever talked about doing this today. And what's interesting about the manga versus the anime is they both have those moments where it's like you're, you're hanging on the edge of your seat and it's like Goku's out of bounds, Goku's dead, uh, Master Roshi's about to go out of bounds, whatever. And like in the anime, like it's long drawn out shit sometimes. Like when he fucking hits the Kamehameha with the moon and stuff, which we'll talk about, like everyone's like Goku's dead in the anime for like 10 motherfucking minutes, like half the episode. <laughs> it's like, oh no, he's dead. And then the start of the next episode, it's like, hey, look over there. No, he's not dead. <laughs> in, the, in the manga though, it's like, a lot, and the Master Roshi almost going out of bounds and sticking his foot into the side of the ring is like a good example of it uh, being more concise in the manga and just hitting better. It like happens on a page turn and it's just like, oh, he's about to go out of bounds. And then it's like, what? Nope. Bong. His shit's fucking stuck under the side. It is a clutch save, dude. I, it's Talk about ass pulls from Dragon Ball, you know? And, it, and if you're talking about the difference in probably like timing, because even with that, you have everybody cheering and thinking that Goku won. I don't know if that happens in the um, the manga, but... Not really. Like, he throws up the little peace sign. Peace, peace, victory, you know? And then it's like, not so fast. Look over here. In the anime, it's like 10 fucking minutes of him just being like, peace, peace. Going ahead into basically our likes or if there's anything else you want to talk about of, like, the setting up of the tournament. No, I actually prefer this. When they go ahead and change the format of the tournament and the Boo Saga to have, like, the punching machine and all that, I was like, lame. I miss the old days. But um, I don't know. I already did one of my top fives with the Krillin getting bullied or, you know, taking revenge on his bully. So that's one of my top fives. What's your first top five? My top five would first one would basically be I like the fact that Master Roshi didn't want Goku and Krillin to worry about winning but to be happy about the experience I like when he said you didn't come here to win you came here to learn I kind of said this before but I really liked that line because it really kind of showed what kind of master Master Roshi was right there always a bigger fish can't get lax in your training you watch the dub right I watch the Japanese yeah I watch the philosophical and shit oof I love old school Dragon Ball with the Japanese audio. It's just, it's it, it the worse it sounds, the better for me. It's just, oh, fucking perfect nostalgia, man. I love it. 
Um, all right. One of my favorite parts of the entire tournament, this is my number two on my top five, the Namu and Goku fight. I remember, like I said, I was reading it in the comics when I was a kid. That was the first time I ever adjusted it. And, uh, I remember when Goku fucking caught that cross across his goddamn neck. And I was just thinking to myself, it's another instance of like a page turn. And it's like, oh, he wins. Then another page turn. And it's like, no, nope, Goku's awake again. Goku's not going to be asleep for the next 10 days. He's going to be asleep for the next nine and a half seconds and then get up because he's fucking Son Goku. Um, the whole fight. I love the whole fight. I love the character of Namu. Nam and Dub, same. But he's also like the prototype uh, Oob. Like he enters for the same fucking reasons that Oob eventually goes on to enter in the 25th Budokai at the end of Dragon Ball Z. I don't think that's talked about enough. Just saying, maybe from the same village. Maybe that's me being racist. I don't know. I love the Namu Goku fight. And they have some fucking Bugs Bunny shit in that shit too. I keep saying Bugs Bunny shit because this gear five has been the top of my brain the last couple of weeks. But um, like them like fighting through the air and shit and him like jumping too high and then falling back down to chase him and then like swimming through the air. Like that's some, that's some Bugs Bunny Elmer Fudd shit. I thought it was funny. I love the comedic sense of old school Dragon Ball and working in comedic beats while still having like a fun, engaging, entertaining fight. Beak. I love that fight too. I love the fact when he does hit that move, he's like confident, like, oh yeah, I didn't mean to do that. It's going to be like 10 minutes. I don't like, like, he's basically like feeling bad that he had to hit Goku with that move. He said 10 Goku. days. It's 10 days. He's going to be asleep, but he's not dead because everyone's like, holy shit, you killed him. And he's like, <laughs> he got disqualified then. He's like, no, no, no. He'll just be asleep for the next 10 days, nine seconds later because he's fucking Son Goku, dude. He gets and what, I feel like we're not basically pitting the picture to this move. This move is he'll basically jump it in the air and pit his whole body into like a cross and slamming it against your body. It's It looks painful as fuck. I ain't going to lie. I can see how people felt. He crosses at the wrist to make the cross, and then he hits motherfucker in the neck. He's falling from like 300 feet down, diving into the ground. Like, it is an intense move, dude. Heavenly cross. I can't remember what the heck it's called, but I certainly can't remember the Japanese name. But uh, yeah, dude, the Namo Goku fight is one of my favorite, most memorable moments from this arc. Easy. Uh, besides the Jackie Chun stuff, it's it's that fight for me. I love that fight. Imagine somebody hitting that on you in like real life. Be dead, I think. Like, you cross my windpipe, yeah. I I die. Oh, you get back up from that. I'll be like, Oh, yeah, he's props, props from that. <laughs> Big neck boy. What's your uh, what's your number two? My number two would basically, I like that Goku was okay with Krillin seriously injuring someone just to prove he wasn't a rat anymore, proving that Goku has like a very little. More his moral cult compass as a child is a little bit out there. Like <laughs> a little, a little more wanted. gray than you'd expect for the protagonist of a series. Oh man, because especially the fact that right before the fight he was like Krillin, I don't think we should use our real like scrape. We should hold back. And then right after they talk shit to Krillin, he's like, "Yeah, show him everything you can do." Like you know, hold back. Yeah, I'm like never mind what I just said five minutes ago. Fuck these guys. <laughs> I heard what they said to you, and I didn't like it. Oh, I was like, oh, damn, he's trying to get them killed. Because remember, he beat that one big dude by just tapping him. This is <laughs> I love that scene, though, because, like, Goku barely touches him and, like, means to try to touch him, but barely touches him the way the dude moves. And then he just, and Goku's like, oh, shit, I, I barely touched this. If I really touch you, you'd be dead. <laughs> I love that realization. Hey, Krillin, we probably should take it easy. And I like that because that was one of those few scenes where they have Yamcha kind of be the not, the narrator and he basically kind of narrates what happens and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, if he actually would have went all out, he would have fucked it shit up. Yeah, dude. That's a good point. I fucking love that about Goku and that's, we should take it easy. Never mind. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's best friend energy right there. I you got you gotta give that up to him type shit. I saw somebody fucking bullying you, I'd be like, Rayshon, fuck him up. Go to jail. Go and hold it together. back. Just bring it all out. Bring that whole killer instinct out. I think I mean, there's so much shit in the Jackie Chung Goku fight, but one thing that I didn't really remember about this fight because it's very sudden and downplayed and not drawn out at all like it will become in Dragon Ball Z but the first instance of a beam struggle between Jackie Chun and, and Goku doing the Kamehameha and it just basically cancel each other out all of a sudden you know which mm -hmm. is fine I'd rather that than like ah, for fucking three episodes but I do love that it's the first instance of it and Jackie Chun like really came to play on it and Goku was like, nah, you see when I woke up after 10 seconds and I was supposed to be asleep for 10 days, I learned the Kamehameha like 10 weeks ago. And now I know it way better than you do, given that you haven't done it or not way better, but as well as you do, given that you've been doing it every day for the last 50 fucking years, whatever, you know, like love the beam struggle, like OG stuff, dude. Awesome. That's funny because that's actually one of my likes. So I'm going to just add on to that. I liked it the whole moment. I love the whole like. Yeah, he did a move that took me 50 years to master. And then, like, that whole sentence right there just, like, ingrains, like, what Goku just did. He basically just, his innate ability to just see something and duplicate it, which kind of pisses me off because didn't he see him do that before? Like, it was like, he act like that was the it first is. time he's seen. It is. But think about it. Like, Goku saw, Goku did it at a car after he watched Roshi do it one time. I'm not even sure Roshi was present for him hitting the car with it. He might have been. But, like, Goku's used it a bunch during the quest for the Dragon Ball since he's left Roshi. I don't think he had to use it while he was doing the training with Roshi. This is probably the, never mind Goku post-training. Like, I don't know, man. My point is, I don't think Roshi knew that Goku not only was, like, doing this shit regularly, but, like, also how strong he truly was either. But what you said is actually my number three or whatever is Goku mimicking shit. And like yeah. the perfect example is the Zanzu Ken or the after image technique and how he sees it in the early turn or like Krillin versus Jackie Chun or whatever. And then he mimics it like the first thing he tries in the match. And then I guess it's kind of like a mimic, but it's also more like adaptability or whatever. When he did that against Nam, didn't he? Um, did he do it against Nam? I thought it was against Jackie Chun for the first time. That's I pretty, think he did it against Nam, but then Nam was like able to dodge it. Oh, that's right. And then he hits Jackie Chun with the triple Zanzu Ken because he, mm -hmm. he had the first match to fuck around with it. He's like, all right, now I got it even better. Uh, but when Jackie Chun does the drunken fist too, like, and then Goku, like, it, I love the line in the sub because he's like, there's no way you could ever replicate this move because you don't know what it's like to be drunk because you're only 12, you're not 21. And then he's like, all right, well, I'll give my own unpredictable fucking monkey fist thing going on. And like, the monkey fist versus the drunken fist is just, that's something that I, I don't know why I knew about it when I was a kid. I, I mean, the comic book, I guess, but like me and my friend were like obsessed with this fight when we were kids and like the idea of the drunken master Jackie Chan tropes versus Goku fucking as a child with a monkey tail going at them with the monkey. I don't know, man. I fucking, <sighs> Goku's my favorite Dragon Ball Z character. I've fluctuated over the years. I think I said this to you the other day. I've fluctuated over the years. It's always been Goku, Vegeta, Future Trunks. Those three, I could say any of them on any given day. It's just Goku now. 100%, no questions asked. See, I've always said Kid Goku is one of my favorite characters. I think there's a big difference between Kid Goku and adult Goku. So I've always liked the Kid Goku just for his more 
willingness to do things and not really be like restrained by his kind of moral compass. Because I feel like some things that um, kid Goku would do, a dog Goku wouldn't even like think to do. It's just, it's just crazy. But moving on to my number three, because this is a fight I don't think nobody really talks about, but. <laughs> I like the moment where you have Goku when he finally gets his tail back and he breaks out of the mirror go round gum and he breaks the wall like soon, like soon right after he gets his tail back to kind of test the strength and Goron just gives up. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> like, damn, nigga, this, no, fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> like, like, I like the fact when he basically uses the move, he's like, oh, this is unbreakable. Nothing can break it. And the fact that he believes that so hard when Goku breaks it, he's like, oh, yeah. fuck this. <laughs> this is gone. <laughs> it's like, never mind. This was my one trick and this guy just fucking broke through it. Like, I've never seen out i got nothing else i know i'm a big imposing dragon or whatever but that bubblegum shit that's all i got and then it was so crazy it's like you have the fight right before that when he's in the bar and it's like you know you can't even tell if he's killing these people or what he's doing and <laughs> 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 but then he goes sees goku i like the whole scene of goku kind of like powering up and you like seeing his like face and teeth and everything and it's like oh shit that right there would have been enough for me to be like okay this kid is on something else right now <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. I think number four for me, looking at my notes here, I mean, just the fact that Roshi blows up the moon and I don't know, I feel like, again, it's much more drawn out in the anime than it is in the manga, but that's like such a fucking, that's such a, such a flex, man. Like, what do you mean you blew up the fucking moon? Also think about the ramifications of the fucking blowing up the moon. You're just like fucked up the tides of the whole entire earth for the ocean i don't know man i also love that during that scene while roshi's fucking getting ready to blow up the moon that goku as a monkey has the innate instinct to continue to keep one foot in the ring at all times he never has a foot i watched it the other i watched it yesterday and i was like what do you mean you just gonna fuck this whole place up he doesn't leave the ring at all he has one foot in the ring at all times it's awesome that also kind of proves the fact why my Roshi wouldn't leave the ring because he kept like trying to like oh i can't leave the ring and yeah you guys can escape i that whole scene which i think always breaks dragon ball power scaling because everyone's like how the fuck did master she blow up the moon right there because it's always it's just one of the craziest things to think about in the beginning of dragon ball they could have did that shit um what i kind of like about this scene is kind of before this is when goku's like transforming and like you see master she like the fuck because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like never seen this shit before only people see this is like boba yamcha and like prayar and uh olong because they've seen this in the prior art but everybody else is just like terrified but i love that's rosie's whole like oh i still have to win this and still have the mind to not kill goku but in my mindset you turn into a werewolf and shit like that. Oh, all rules are broken because I don't. I think with Goku turning into, a, I think the funniest reaction to it is Krillin for me because, like you said, the only people who've seen it like Yamcha, Bulma, Puar, Ulan. Krillin's like, "Hey, Goku, what the fuck? Chill out, man. <laughs> You're wrecking the whole place. What are you doing? This technique is no good." Oh, <laughs> they're like, "Cause he does that something." <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have to get that back. And 
Krillin acts like it's just like some new thing that he does. It's like, oh, you got this technique and you're fucking using it like this. What are you, an asshole? Like, no, oh, man. It's lost control of himself. I love the fact where I mean, after that, Krillin basically tells him what he would do with the boy. He's like, if I could do that, I'll jump on mountains and there. <laughs> I don't even think he knows what he's doing. Oh, moons and Dragon Ball thing always fucks me up, man. Really does. Do they just randomly appear? They like plot convenience. Yeah, sort of. Like, why is Gohan transformed for the first time? Is that because of Vegeta's fake moon? Doesn't Piccolo blow up the moon once? Who brought the moon back? I can't ever remember all that shit. I'm a terrible fan, but that uh, yeah, I think it is from the moon that Vegeta made. That's how um Gohan. Doesn't he transform in the fucking four months that Piccolo trains him at some point? Or am I just yeah, yeah, that was before he blew up the moon. Yeah, yeah, but Roshi already blew up the moon, so who brought the moon back? Oh, um, Kami. Did he? Yeah. Hmm. Good for him, dude. I'm glad he's fucking holding up his end of the job, you know? I don't, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I remember him saying he brought, he brought back the moon. Thank God, dude. Again, because like I said, yeah, you get rid of the moon, like the, the gravitational pull of like the ocean tides and shit gets all fucked up. And all of a sudden the world is a... That actually becomes a plot for the next tournament about him blowing up the yeah, moon. werewolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, dude. That's what I thought you were getting to earlier when you were talking about werewolves and shit. I just realized that I think I'm out of top fives, even though I've only given four, but I think it's because we had a couple of the same ones. Mm-hmm. Let me think of a last minute top five. Oh. Well, I still got to give my number four. Oh, shit. My bad. I thought we did your four. Go. My number four will have to be, I like, the musical number between Jackie Chan and Goku at martial art life is the only life for me. I like that it left the crowd puzzled, but it was entertaining. <laughs> it was super entertaining to Goku. I also like the part where you have Goku and Krillin explain what happened during their little fast break. This was my little in-between one because they kind of happened with Singletary because you have this, the musical number that you have Master Roshi versus Krillin and they have this little fast break and they're fighting, and then um, the announcer asks, like, what happens? And they basically reenact what happened, which is one of the yeah. stupidest things yeah. ever. <laughs> like, ever. But I love the fact that Master Roshi was able to get this motherfucker to carry. And <laughs> 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 walk almost half the ring, and the dude was like, oh, you stopped the right mouth. <laughs> This is why everyone needs to watch the original Dragon Ball. And man, it's one of the funniest shit ever. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot about that shit. So just now, that is some classic stuff right there. Oh, a martial art of life is the only life for me. <laughs> I love how, like, at the end, they just keep repeating it. The louder he's getting, and you just sit there like, bro, these people are fucking hilarious. But the only person entertained by this whole thing is like, <laughs> he's just up there with a rocket. Yeah, he's cool. Goku's fucking too cool for school. I like after the Ozaru thing happens, he's got no clothes, right? And then he's just like, he wakes up, he's unsure what happened. He's like, fuck, what happened? Where's my clothes? Oh, well. And then he just takes a fighting stance, like a wide fucking fighting stance, and just shows off his cock and balls to like three ladies in the crowd. And they're all like, oh my God, it's the first time I've ever seen these. And he looks at him. He's like, why are you staring at me? Oh, it's because you don't have a winky? You must be girls. 
And then Krillin's like, yo, time out. I got to give this kid some clothes. We can't be doing this the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> That's my number five. <laughs> Goku trying to fight in the buck naked. I think what's hilarious if you, um, I don't know if it's kind of different in the English, uh, in the Japanese, but in the English dub, the main girl that's kind of like, that looks like a dude has the deepest voice ever. It's just, you, you gotta see the scene. It's fucking hilarious because they basically saying the same thing, but it's actually the announcer that's like, oh, huh, we can't do this, man. We can't have your <laughs> balls out here like this. Switch clothes. And that's when you get the whole discussion with Krillin basically like, I already picked the little tail hole, but if I could turn into a giant monkey, I'll go swinging on mountains and shit like that. The fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Giant monkey. What? Watch it to me. That would have been a big red flag. I'm like, you don't even know what the fuck you just did. (laughs) Like, bro, okay, now that's that's something right there. But the whole scene is funny because even after this, you have Masterosi change too, because I think he had took off his shirt. So he was like all like just shirtless right there. But when they come back, he got his whole robe and everything back on. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> he had to fucking take it off so he could flex up so he could blow up the moon, but then he's like, I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to my number five. This is actually something you talked about earlier on, but I just want to bring it up again because I like this moment. It's basically the first kind of beam struggle we get. We get the whole Master Roshi telling Goku that he can't do the move. Goku, yes, I can. No, you can't. They was like, oh, well, do would you, are you willing to pit up your um, Kamiyameha against mine? The person that invented them? This is what he first fucks up. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> you invented them. I thought that's the, he was like, oh, we do them differently. I exercise. <laughs> like, <laughs> All the poses and shit, yeah. And then they basically have this being scroll. I like that it's basically cancels out, but everybody in the um audience is just like, what the fuck? Like they just let let off a bomb right there. But I like the whole surprise and Master Roshi's face and the whole quote where it's like that he just did a move that took me 50 years to master and it just kind of just sinks in and everything. Yeah, that is a fucking awesome old man. It's like it'll go on to be recycled in Dragon Ball for Years and years and years to come. Like, this shit probably was on TV in, like, 1986. The end of 86, probably. And, you know, Dragon Ball Super in 2016 was doing beam struggle shit for the same exact purpose. To deliver the same exact point in the narrative. You know, different arcs, different characters, whatever. But it's this shit is literally iconic. Like, this is the archetype for so many fucking tournament arcs that you see in so many different animes. It's... You, I get why, because it's fucking awesome. And it's often very funny. And like, there's no way that you can't like it either way. Like from the martial arts perspective, maybe you could think it's too goofy or whatever, but not me. I don't believe that at all. Not one bit, sir. No, sir. I totally agree with you. I think this whole art is amazing. I feel like if you are going to watch any tournaments in anime, you definitely got to start off with Dragon Ball. I'm not going to say they probably was the first ones to start to do it, but I think they made a fun one. Then they started getting a little bit more serious with the second one. And then the third one, then you get the fourth one. That's more like uh, just an opening. You don't even get the whole tournament, but you get the beginnings of the tournament. But you're right. And like, as you go through tournament arcs, so I think we're going to continue to do tournament arcs together on your show, which is sick as fuck. But when, as you go through the tournament arcs, they do get more serious for the purpose of escalating the narrative as it gets to be more about a show like, you know, less comedy based stuff and, you know, more like sci-fi horror kind of elements when you get the demon Kings fucking involved and all that stuff, demons and 
tambourine killing Krillin or something, right? I forget. Mm-hmm. Symbol who kills Krillin, I forget. But she gets real dark in the last third of the ultimate uh, of the OG Dragon Ball series. And uh, I love it, but it speaks to the versatility of the structure of the tournament arc itself. Like you can do a goofy, fun, light thing like this where it's just like, let's test our strength and make sure we're not, you know, getting lazy. And then like the second one, it's like, oh shit, now it's like we have to fight the shadow tur- turtle hermit school and the crane school and their deadly assassins and all that shit. Oh, and by the way, they're connected to the guy from the last arc, Tao Pai Pai. 22nd tournament is fucking sick as hell. And then 23rd, uh, yeah, 23rd with Piccolo, like for how 23rd ends with Krillin dying at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. The 22nd one does. Is that what it is? I thought it was the other way around. I thought they faced Tien twice. No. No, they, um, Tien gets, um, he has a good, a major fight in the third one. 23rd is with Piccolo Jr. That's right. Mm-hmm. 22nd ends with Piccolo getting Krillin killed and then Goku going on his revenge tour. Dude, the end of the 22nd fucking arc, when I get there, I'm going to have to continue to watch. Like, I'm like, I kind of like Red Ribbon. It's whatever. I stopped myself from watching it the other day, but we get to the end of the 22nd tournament. I'm going to have to continue to watch because Goku screaming and running through the fucking street. That shit gets me hyped. That's like some of the most intense Dragon Ball moments ever right there. Yeah. And I, I think that's it. Um, I kind of like the arc, the uh, whole Piccolo arc afterwards after the 22nd arc. More than the red ribbon, I kind of like the red ribbon where you get mercenaries. I like more the end of the uh, red ribbon arc. More There's th- a lot of goofy stuff in the red ribbon arc for sure. And w- also, one major thing about the difference in the tournaments is the comedy. The mm. comedy in this first one is deadly inappropriate. <laughs> it was the uh-huh. most inappropriate things ever like it's one of those things where i'd be like it's hard for me to be like what age group does dragon ball go for because yeah. you have this one scene where you have master rossi's trying to check ram fans heartbeat through her ass he's literally <laughs> 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 he just said that like oh, oh is he okay <laughs> and then it goes from that to like goku a 12 year old boy hanging brain and like continuing to fight a fucking man who's 350 years old like it's just another day oh you guys have winkies oh you don't must be ladies cool <laughs> they call them winkies in the sub it's so funny to me i don't know what they say in the dub dude they call them winkies in the sub. i think i think they call it winkies because i don't remember who say dick hey real talk i actually i met kid goku from the dub a couple weeks ago i I won't really talk about it that much on the show but it was interesting yeah remind me to tell you about my stephanie nadalny interaction from a couple weeks ago after we're done recording this i feel like it was entertaining it was weird yeah now moving on to our least favorite scene our least favorite moments I want to kick this one off because it's something I kind of brought up earlier, but I think this is one of the stupidest scenes. I don't see how this helps anything. And Are we going to pick the same thing? I hope we pick the same thing. I think it's it, it, it kind of gives a cool feeling, I guess, but it's not cool. I hate the scene where you have Yamcha versus the wolf. It's so stupid to me. I feel like it doesn't really prove anything, I guess, because he has the wolf fang fist, and then the wolf was like, let me show you how the real the wolf fights. And then you're just like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> it's like, what's all <laughs> stupid, bro? Yeah. No, honestly, that what you're talking about there is the earliest example of Yamcha being Yamcha, like we talked about. And that's my least favorite. Like, we picked least favorite moment and least favorite fight, right? Mm-hmm. My least favorite fight by far is Jackie Chan versus Ro- uh, Jackie Chan versus Yamcha. It's like 
We all know Jackie Chan's not losing a Yamcha. We all know it. We know that it's Master Roshi. He's not losing a Yamcha. What are we doing here? Well, we need Yamcha to be involved somehow so that way he can lose in the first round and sit on the fucking sidelines and be a spectator and un like explain to you, the audience, what's happening as the tournament goes on. That's why he's about to lose. And it's just like such a waste, but it kind of ties into like his, the only like redeeming quote unquote moment that they give Yamcha was like he fights an actual wolf and his broga Fufu Ken somehow beats up a wolf. So Yamcha's more of a wolf than the wolf because of the wolf fang fist, don't you know? Yeah, that's a good fucking pick, dude. I didn't even think about that until just now. <laughs> Can't stand that scene. Um, it's, I mean, it's like other little things that I can't stand, but my other one is kind of more for my least favorite fight. So I'm going to kind of save that one. All right. So my least favorite moment. All right. I thought you were going down this road because it's so fucking disgusting. Bacteria versus Krillin. And like, I, you, I thought the same thing. I remember reading it in the fucking comic book as a kid being like, how Krillin doesn't have a nose. Like, what are we doing here? Can Krillin even smell this? How does this anatomy work? And like all the gross shit, him like sticking his finger between his balls and up his asshole and just like letting the big fucking stench come out. I'm like, this is so gross. I get it. He smells bad. Can we stop sticking fingers in people's assholes and like trying to Hitler people across the bottom of their nose to make them pass out? This is gross. All right. I hate that moment. It's almost my least favorite fight, except I really feel strongly about the Jackie Chun Ryamcha thing. So I'm picking that as my least favorite fight. My least favorite moment is... Bacterium versus Krillin. And for what? Krillin, you don't have a nose. And Krillin's like, oh yeah, that's right. Like I had to sit through all that gross shit for that little of a fucking punchline that I was thinking about the entire time anyway. Least favorite moment, hands down, bar none. Since you did uh, kind of your least favorite fight, I'm going to do mine and Taylor. Basically the whole Krillin versus Bacterium. I hate, the whole, I hate the whole idea of this fighting a, fighting a person that probably hasn't taken a bath since he came out of the womb. It's just like, it's just nasty. I hated the fact that even like as an audience member, that would piss me off. If he stank as bad as he like portraying and you can smell this in the audience and he over here digging in his balls, trying to pit it on the, um, <laughs> on the opponent. Like, I think in your mind, you're like, I guess that's a tactic, but he like, does some bullshit. Like if somebody did that to me, I'm going to get my gun. Like that's a, like, that. To me, that's one of those moments because how society is nowadays. If that's recorded, you're never getting that out of your life. That's 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 everything. Yeah. Um, I just hate the whole fight. I just think it's stupid. I think his character is stupid. I love the the reaction Krillin gives when he like realizes he's going against bacteria because you have him trying to pull out the number, and then everybody's like, Wah! and then he looks at it. And he's like. And that's kind of, I thought that was kind of cool. I love that your least favorite fight is my least favorite moment and that my least favorite moment is your least favorite fight. Wait a minute. I think I didn't say that right, but my least favorite moment is your least favorite fight. And my least favorite fight is your least favorite moment. That's what I was trying to say. Same brain. Same brain. Do we talk? We talk. What's funny is because I think we're probably going to have the same favorite fight. So I'm going to let you go ahead and say what yours is if it's mine. Oh, it's hand. I mean, it's definitely Jackie Chan versus Goku. How could it be anything else? Nam versus Goku is a far distant second uh, second place. I actually pit um, Krillin and Jackie Chan as my second favorite fight. I think that's a pretty interesting fight. I think just had him going against Krillin, testing his strength and stuff. Cause I think he low key thought they were going to be about the same, but <laughs> it nowhere near the same. Yeah. And I, I also like, um, you, this kind of goes back to the beginning of the preliminaries 
where they have their um rankings on how where they about to be divided into. And then Krillin was um Goku was like, Yeah, we're gonna be in the same bracket. And Krillin's like, What the fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> 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 I'm gonna be in the front, you're gonna be in the back. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That is kind of an underrated fight. You're right, because like kind of sets the bar for where Roshi thinks Goku's going to be, and then Goku just completely blows those expectations away. It's like kind of like the 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 long the elongated version from what you see them do with the rock. Like Krillin pushes it a bunch, and then Roshi's like, "Oh shit, this was a joke. You idiots can actually move this rock now somehow." And then Goku just fucking pushes it way far there. Like it's the it's the logical escalation of that scene into a tournament. It's sick, dude. Fucking ugh, quality shit, dude. Quality shit. I'm glad we agree on so much of it. I mean, you know. Similar tastes. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I just like the Goku Jack and Chunk fight. I like all the different moves that's being used. You get the electric um surprise attack. You get yeah. the drunken um the drunken fist, and then you get when he like um hypnotizes him to go to sleep, and everybody's like, "That's cheating!" Like, <laughs> you know the martial arts technique, and you just put that bitch to sleep with hypnosis. That's not that's not a martial arts technique. You're gonna bring down like the integrity of our tournament or whatever. So fucking funny. And I like this Boma like, oh, uh, ready to eat or time to eat, and Goku like wakes up. I like the whole um Master Roshi blowing up the moon. And I love that the outcome comes down to size and not power. Yes. And honestly, like size, power, brains over brawn. You know, yep. Roshi thought that one out. Goku took the bait and they fucking do both connect. But Roshi's got way more power in his kick because his leg is probably twice as long, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like that Master Roshi pulled off one of the best like uh, bluffs ever. Basically making Goku feel like he didn't have no more energy or anything. <laughs> like, we're both at our final bits. We're going to have to use hand chops and fly. <laughs> Honestly, I love that part of the fight. It's like the last third of it. It's like they do all these big fucking, you know, techniques at each other for the first part of it. Goku transforms and Roshi takes care of that in the second part of it. And the last part of it, it's like, we're at our, our limit. We got to just do a bunch of, and then it's like, dun, 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 Tenkaichi. And I'm like, fuck yeah, the song rules. Dun, dun. And then they fight and with just, yeah, like, no frills, no nothing, which is, I think about these shows now, like having watched Super Air, you know, live every week and watched all those motherfuckers who would do like um, the art breakdowns because it started so bad and then it got better and better and better, right? I think about these episodes and when I watch them, I'm like, the production team on this episode definitely took a week off. And there's a couple in here where it's like they reuse so much of like the same shots back and forth of just Jackie Chun throwing hands and Goku throwing hands and this reaction shot of the crowd and that reaction shot and Yamcha. And like they're all still shots and shit. And like they just kind of pan in on them a little bit. And I don't know, man. I just... I love so much about what OG Dragon Ball is. The nostalgia really does fucking hit me hard for sure. Um, but also, like, it's just, it's my favorite balance of Dragon Ball because comedy meets martial arts, you know? Like, so much of Dragon Ball Z is fun. There's still some comedy, but it's very much like big, strong guy go punch, sci-fi aliens, you know, invading Earth. Like, that's pretty much all of Dragon Ball Z. GT, excuse me, um, OG is not quite that antiquated to me and it's just way more fucking fun and this is the uh this is the best uh sample of some of it i think yes this is basically the tournament that kind of sets up all the dragon ball kind of throws out the whole 
Goku kind of might be an alien to everybody type of theory. It also shows the progression of how fast Goku can get stronger. It also kind of sets up the um, Krillin and the whole dynamic that Goku can turn some people who kind of are against some into his friends and shit like that. I lo- this is one of the best art. This is where I personally became to really like Master Roshi. Like Master Roshi is probably one of my favorite characters in Dragon Ball, but also one of my favorite like master type of sensei type of teachers in all of anime. Just by his demeanor, the things he really wanted to instill into his kids and just even the, the whole thing he does with Nam, you know what I mean? Knowing that um, Nam wanted to um, get water because he does this ability, which I didn't even know he could do. I guess he can read minds, which is fucking crazy yeah. to think. Yeah, it's like one of the things that he conveniently does once or twice in early Dragon Ball and then is totally forgotten about. <laughs> and he basically gets the whole background history of Nam and then you see his whole village, which is sad. I would hate to live in <laughs> that was horrible but honestly that's one of the funniest moments where he's like take this capsule and then he shows him the fucking well out back he's like if you try to pay for water around here people will laugh at you water's free take as much as you want and i'm like thinking about this watching it fucking 35 years later i'm like water's not free master roshi so he's gonna pay that bill what the fuck man he's gonna take that back for the whole village yeah i my thinking would be like maybe y'all should move y'all whole village closer to here <laughs> like, <laughs> i think it's funny because like right after this you get kind of like you we get we get pit where nam's village is and basically it's in this desert which is fucking crazy like why are y'all living in this fucking desert and they've been living by this lake that hasn't like produced any water and it's been like for like months i'm like y'all just gonna send one person off i would have been left <laughs> i would have been like there's no way bro we ain't this is the only three plan. days this <laughs> is the only plan you guys could come up with for this dude to grow up to be big and strong wait for a tournament that happens once every three years to go win the prize money to come back and what have the money to build some fucking infrastructure so we can get some rainwater in this bitch and make it into a well like what the fuck is the plan after he wins the money he's gonna buy a bunch of shit and go back on with it I was going to get it there. And what's what's oh, interesting is it's only 500000 It's not like you went about to win like millions of dollars. Right? 500000 in 1986, though. That's fucking pretty oh. stupid ass money, though. That's, okay, I guess. I and imagine. And our my, my mindset, it seems small because they ate it all up in like a day. But it's Goku. So, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> that is the best fucking joke about the whole thing. It's like holy shit, they won. What are they going to do with it now? And it's like, doesn't matter. It's gone. <laughs> I, it's good thing that it got eaten up because if it would have done what Master Roshi wanted to do, man, <laughs> his whole body was going dirty right there. Those was bleeding. Lord. Master Roshi is such a crazy character. Especially a rich and new Dragon Ball. They do not hold back when <laughs> crazy or willing. He's willing to be perverted, man. Yeah, it's true, dude. I do love that his whole... He's like, yes, to the end, he's like... You guys need to go off on your own now. And Coco's like, all right, cool. Krillin's like, hey, man, I don't really know what I want to do. I think I'm just going to come back and stay with you if that's cool. And he's like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has like the little fantasy of him and lunch, like having lunch on the beach or whatever. He's like, you can't take a hit. You're cramping my style. (laughs) Fuck out. It's fucking hilarious, man. I don't know if there was any any other Pacific moments you wanted to talk about because we're kind of getting towards the end of the episode. No, I think this um, is a fun first time for us to do a tournament arc together. We kind of covered the rules early on uh, briefly and just talked about what we enjoyed about them. And like, I think that's kind of what these episodes should be about from my own personal opinion is 
we we were like Dragon Ball junkies, right? And I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people look at us for being Dragon Ball junkies and they don't fully get why. And I get it. Like, uh, I also hyper-focus on a lot of things. And when I like a thing, I fucking like a thing. And Dragon Ball was one of those fucking first things for me. So, I don't know. It's just like been a very consistent thing in my life. But like, this is a great example to show to people to be like, all that shit that you like, it originates from these types of ideas that I like. So me having such a fucking infatuation with Dragon Ball and having it be this like culturally, uh, culturally significant thing that impacts like the entire country of Japan, the entire medium of manga and anime, like understand like I'm, and I, I love this greatness. You know what I mean? I don't like all the things that are inspired. I don't have all the time in the world to consume all the things that it has inspired, but seeing where the original archetypes of a lot of things came from and having a fucking perfect ass character like goku to go along through that shit with a funny ass character like goku i don't know it's just like if you don't get why i love dragon ball after everything i just said fuck it man that's not worth trying to explain to you anymore yeah i feel that i i give this whole arc i'll probably say about a five star youtube probably what are we doing five out of five yep uh i'll go four and a half out of five i i do love it i do truly fucking love it but i don't think it's perfect i think it set the table for a lot of awesome future things to come both in this anime and others um i don't think it's the best tournament in dragon ball uh, i do think that it is probably among the top three tournaments or favorite tournaments however you want to say it obviously it's my fucking opinion it's not a fact or anything but um this one means a lot man and like i said before having consumed it originally just uh from the comic book versus i didn't watch the anime for this shit until i was like 23 like when it was on hulu dub uh subbed only and i was like this is perfect it's here it's all here <laughs> and i watched all of it twice through within probably a year and uh i loved watching it then but remembering reading and turning the pages as a kid definitely holds a special spot in my heart with this arc that was a tough sentence to say but i got through it but yeah that's what i think yeah i think i'm probably about the same age range it took me a while to even know there was this whole dragon ball like anime because i've seen z and i've seen like super and stuff i didn't even know really about this and so when I did watch it, I watched it so many times. I can't even tell you how many times I went back and rewatched certain scenes yeah. from Dragon Ball. Not to uh, sidetrack it before we're signing off, but like the release schedule for all this shit was weird. Like they put out all of Dragon Ball Z pretty much before they went back and put out OG Dragon Ball in the States. Mm -hmm. So by the time they started to, I was like into high school and I was playing in bands and doing gigs every weekend and trying to get laid. So I was not watching Dragon Ball as much. I didn't keep up with when they dubbed it, you know? So uh, seven or eight years later, you know, being out of high school for a little while, when it was all uploaded to Hulu, just the subbed only, I'm like, it's like all the subbed fucking fan tapes that I had when I was a kid are just right here on my Xbox 360 now. And this is amazing. And I love every, it was like 2013 was the greatest mood in my first apartment. I was like one of the first shows I watched completely entirely front to back. That's funny. Cause I, I, I kind of had that same feeling, but it was with a different thing. And it was with Pokemon where we watched all the Pokemon just because that was pretty much the anime as a kid for me that I watched, even yeah. though I did see Dragon Ball Z a little bit, and that was my favorite anime, but I just didn't know what it was for like the longest time until I got back into it. But I was dialed into Pokemon for like a good two or three years for sure, but Dragon Ball found it young, stayed with it, 
Pokemon came in a little bit. I liked Gundam Wing and a couple other things, but Dragon Ball always stayed. It's never going to go, unfortunately. Yeah. My top always will be my top. But with that, we're going to end today's episode. I hope you guys stay with us when we go again, talk about the other arcs, tournament arcs. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys who love Dragon Ball or got more engaged by this conversation. Anybody who doesn't or hasn't even watched the original Dragon Ball, I hope this makes you more motivated to watch it. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys listen to my uh, other previous episodes, but also check out my guest episodes. I want to allow him to um, plug himself before we go. Hell, hell yeah, Rayshon. I love how you give me like the regular setup like you do for all your fucking cool ass guests. Like you and I don't talk like every other day, but yes, you're right. I make a podcast it's called Dragon Ball Super Dope. I've been making it for a very long time. We're putting out episodes very irregularly right now just because I'm very upset with how the blog is going. And I'm working on a ton of other projects. One of those projects is the advice podcast that I do with Ray Sean and our friend Kelly. That comes out every Friday. Um, so the advice pod, search for that wherever you get podcasts or watch it on YouTube. Uh, we do make a video version of it. So yeah, if you like how I talked about Dragon Ball, or you like how me and Ray Sean cut it up, go listen to either Dragon Ball Super Dope or the Advice Pod. Do it down. And those links will be below. You guys definitely gotta check out the advice pod. I don't feel like I promoted as much on my um, anime podcast, but I don't remember the fucking private investigate, like, no, 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 witness protection names that we gave ourselves. Oh, what was that? Um, Mine was like Mohammed Namakazi. Yeah, Mohammed Namakazi, dude. I've been laughing about it since I finished editing the episode the other day. I was like, oh, Frank Johnson, I win. That's the easiest one. And then Kelly's like, Maggie O'Smith O'Leary or some stupid shit. But dude, Mohammed Namakazi is some of the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. And that just came off the dome. You need a name that people aren't going to necessarily recognize. They see it in the, the phone book. They'd be like, what the fuck? It's going to be a little bit of a like, ooh. Can't be kamikaze, but it can be a namikaze. <laughs> namikaze. It's like a kamikaze, but not. Uh, brilliant, dude. Go check out the advice pod. Rayshawn, thank you for having me on the show. I will talk with you tomorrow to record advice pod stuff. And before I sign off, I want to tell you guys, I just recently made a TikTok. I want you guys to go follow me, like, and share. And it's basically, I'm pitting my Bleach reviews on there. So if you guys like Bleach, go ahead and hit up my TikTok. And with that, I want to go ahead and say, peace.